Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. I hope you're having a great day. Hey, we got on Ash Wednesday. I mean, on Wednesday, we have Ash Wednesday. And I know that some of you are kind of like, I thought you were a newfangled church and you didn't, you didn't do stuff like that. Well, what we do is we, um, we steal from the rich and give to the poor. And so that w- whatever good idea that's out there about following Jesus, we'll do that. And the reason why we do Ash Wednesday is because if you're like me, I just kind of meander through life. You know, I just don't really, I'll just go through the motions and go like it's the new year. Then it's like really nothing happens until um, beaches come back and we can go fishing again, go boating and all that other stuff. And, and it's nice to have these incremental markers that remind you about being uncommon, about your pursuit of God. And that's all they are. There's not like a, it's not a magic day. It's not like a holy day of obligation or anything like that. I was raised Catholic, been there, done that. Uh, And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's good to see what things are for what they are. And what Ash Wednesday is, is a good time to just kind of like, okay, I gotta recenter my life back around God, around Christ and what he's done on the cross for me. And so we wanna invite you, this coming Wednesday lasts for one hour. We got ashes you know, I mean, it's really cool. You know, you get little ashes put on your head and everything. And so um, it, it, it's a really good time to re- remember and to walk through life what it's all about. And we've also been studying about being uncommon and, and that we, we go into our status quo problems and then we reach for our status quo solutions and we do the same thing over and over again. But we're, we're called to be of God in Christ. And that brings about something different to have an uncommon compassion, to have an uncommon character and to have uncommon courage in life. So this week we're gonna be talking about uncommon mission. Mission is an interesting word. It's a a loaded concept. I I didn't realize this. Most people in business, you'll hear about having a mission statement for your business, but most people don't use the word mission on a daily basis or a part of their lives. The two organizations that I found when I Googled it and tried to find out a little bit more about mission um, is the church and the military. And I, I thought that was really interesting that these two organizations use this concept of mission uh, a lot. And the reason why I like the word mission is because it implies some premeditated front-loaded objective and purpose. Is that when somebody says we're on a mission, you know, or here's your mission. It means that there's something designed, there's something front-loaded, there's something premeditated about about life. And it's no wonder that when you find somebody who's living life with mission, they're all in. I mean, they they got it all the way through their lives. When when they think missionally, when when they're bought into an idea that they will bring everything about their lives to bear. and whether or not it's you're on a right mission or the wrong mission, mission brings structure, it brings design, it brings intentionality, it brings passion, and it brings purpose. So, I mean, you could be a Nazi and be on mission, but you will have structure, you will have passion, you will have incentive, you'll have all that, you'll have design on how you do it. So, so it's not only being on mission, but you gotta discover, am I on the right mission? And so when you think about a life being a mission and having mission in your life, it is no wonder that psychologists are finding out that people who live on mission, whether it's a right mission or not, um, that living with a mission is kind of an antidepressant. You know, I think if you're like me and you've had moments where you've had to deal with depression, life tends to fall into these ruts of depression when you don't know what your life is about. I have found that most of the time when I'm just kind of like, life sucks, or I, I, I don't like my life, or I'm overwhelmed with back pain, and I get in my head with my back pain, that uh, I get stuck there. And depression, becomes, and, and all of us, whether it, it's clinical depression or just the, uh, the casual visitation of depression in your life, will try to reach for something that we can either inject into our lives, 
whether it be medication, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just, but you know, uh, we'll try to get some um, acupuncture, uh, get uh, a massage, have a spa day, um, find a, a good Merlot or something to try to add to your life to try to get you out of depression. But what they're finding out is that people who live with mission with a sense of purpose and intentionality and design and structure in their life, with a goal in mind, tend to come out of depression a little bit quicker, a little bit easier. And I find that, that I get stuck in minutia and I get stuck in the mundane when I depart from my mission, from this uncommon mission. And, and, and you may be like me. Um, if you complain about stuff, I'm willing to bet that if, if we complain about everything, you know, oh, they put the eggs at the bottom of the bag, you know, well, that is something to complain about now because the eggs are like $25 a dozen. So maybe we've got to give ed- eggs a little more respect. You know what I'm saying? That's a mission right there. Um, but have you ever noticed that you complain about things, people when you're driving, people uh, at the store, um, Amazon delivered the packages, why can't they bring them up to the porch? Why don't they leave them downstairs? They left it out in the rain. Where'd they put the package? And have you ever found yourself getting kind of a little uh, um, upset about things? Usually, you'll get caught in the mundane minutiae complaining about life because you lack mission. Because when you know what you're doing and what your life is about, what its purpose is, and you move in it, you don't have time to stop and complain about the Karen at the grocery store, okay? You're, you're just there to get groceries, get into your car, get back to your mission. But if you find yourself complaining about everything that's going on in the world, if you're worried about everything going on in the world, you might be occupying your life with something other than mission. So psychologically, God's built it into us to have mission. We were created with mission to live mission. In the story, in the narrative of Genesis, we told that Adam and Eve were created and that he created them not just to be like, hey, there you are. Look at, look at you. You're looking good today, Adam. Eve, marvelous, you know? He didn't create them, then give them a mirror to just kind of be introspective and look at themselves. But he created them to have mission. He said that he created them in his image to be fruitful and to multiply, to create places and spaces of, flu, uh, of flourishing. Like, that's why when humans don't have mission, we blow crap up because that's what we do. We have this incredible, this incredible power to create flourishing in the world. And then when we don't do it, we blow stuff up because it just, it's just what happens in us. We, we know we're supposed to be doing something. We just end up doing the wrong stuff. But we were created in the image of God not to look good. Uh, and a lot of people have debated what is the image of God. And if you were part of the Renaissance period, it would be enlightenment, it would be reason, it would be uh, art, it would be creativity, it'd be uh, all the different things that we have as humans. But we were humans that we were created to be fruitful and to multiply, to be flourishing, to be a people who are on mission in life. But in Christ, it even becomes even more so. We get delivered what's called the uncommon mission. Because you can do a lot of flourishing and you can do a lot of uh, being fruitful and multiplying. That doesn't mean necessarily that, I'm sorry, I get that, that childish 15-year-old boy grin on my face, but it uh, doesn't mean that you're doing what God wants you to do. And Jesus calls us into being um, this uncommon flourishing, this uncommon mission with him. So he's asked by a couple of people about what what does that look like? So he tells them a missional story and you're familiar with the story. We call it the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm not gonna read the whole story. We know there's this dude who's going down on this Damascus road while he was going down there, he gets robbed, he gets beat up and, and uh, he gets left for dead and he's just kind of like, you know, you know, on the side of the road and he's dying, he's left there. And then along comes, we're told that a priest comes along. And the reason why we're told that it was a priest is because 
you would think that a priest was missional. That this person, oh, this is, they're on a mission from God. You know, this is obviously somebody who's got a purpose in life. But we're, we, we're told that the priest walked right by him. Lives an unmissional life. Just goes through about life, doing the mundane, got to get to the office. Oy vey, I'm late. You know, he's got to get there. Then we're told there's a Levite that comes along. Uh, a, a guy that we're told that he's Jewish, meaning that it's, this whole God thing is like in their DNA. I mean, it's like, they're like, everything about them is Godish, on mission from God, leave Egypt, go to the promised land, take over the world, you know, all that kind of stuff. But we're, we're told that he walks right by this guy. See, these are people who have lost, have lost mission. Um, it's really interesting. The only time you find out that humans have more in common with uh, apes is when you strip the concept of mission from them. So it's no wonder if you want to reduce this to some biological life form and call us homo sapiens and all that and strip all that out of us, then yeah, we probably, a lot of us look a lot like orangutans and behave very much like them. And so like, that's what it's all about. We're from the apes. Well, if you're talking biologically, I don't know. Might be a good argument. But if we're also from God, and we're created in the image of God, is that when we begin to step into what God created, the mission of God, all of a sudden, Homo sapien looks like something more than Homo sapien. It looks like something created in the image of God. And that's what God's called us. But so some of us right now, our, our marriages look like, you know, uh, look cavemanish, look unevolved. Why? Because we've, we've forgotten the mission of God or what marriage is about, about uh, maybe our communities, our families are riddled with, with abuse and anger and resentment. And, and, and why? And, and it kind of looks like it's de-evolved into, into uh, something primal. And, and, and biologically, you may have more in common with that. But, but the thing is, is that what distinguishes us is that we were created with mission to be fruitful, to multiply, to create flourishing in the world around us. And so these two guys, the Levite and the priest, they just pass right by because they've lost mission. And then a stranger comes by and lives the uncommon mission. It's like we're told that he's a Samaritan. And we're told that because it's really important that we know in this story, this person probably doesn't know the mission. It's like, this isn't a person who's born into it. This is somebody that we wouldn't expect mission from, but yet we find out that he heals, helps, brings medical care to this individual that is in need. And Jesus says, that's uncommon mission. And at the end of the story, Jesus says something that's small, but it's really profound. I mean, this is really large. He says in Luke 10, 37, go and do likewise. See, most of us here are, are going. You know, you get up in the morning, the clock comes on, you know, you know, and then you get out and you get up and you get going and, and you get out, you hop in the shower and start shaving or do whatever it is your routine is. And, and then maybe you'll get to work and you'll, you know, do some doing, you know, and you'd say, well, that's what life is all about. It says, go and do. It's like, no, it says, go and do likewise. It's not enough to just go. It's not enough just to do but you need to do it likewise. Like what? Like the Samaritan. Means that you bring uncommon mission into places where grace and truth and love is needed. It's like that's the highest level of humanity right there, to go and do likewise like Christ in the world around you. To be a person who lives on mission and not just mission, but the right mission. And Jesus is trying to let us know what that is. I really believe for the Christian, um, and, and I don't want to get weird here, uh, but when an, a human being first discovers to uh, be fruitful and multiply, creating flourishing around you, and you can do that as a non-Christian, but when you discover uncommon mission, the go and do likewise of Christ, I believe it's, it's not like you're a better human. I believe that the image of God is actualized in you, okay? So let me just say, if you're a murderer here and you're just taking a break from all your murdering today and you just wanted to come by and get some coffee, 
Oh yeah, I just want to let you know. Uh, I hope you like the coffee. Um, is that <laughs> you're still a human and you're still created in the image of God? Okay, you're still called to be fruitful and multiply. You still have value. But when you discover the ability to create flourishing around you, and then you discover that you can create it for, for not just you, and you can go and do likewise, I believe the image of God is fully actualized. I mean, it's like, you're like, yes, you're technically human. Hitler was a human. And yes, he violated the mission of God for his life or got the wrong mission, but yet he was still a human. But when you start living a life that, that pours uncommon compassion to another person's life, I think you're like, kind of like, the image of God is like unhindered. It's like, it's, there's nothing blocking. And, and people look at your life and you're, they're like, I see Christ in that guy. See, they don't see Christ in just right-wing rhetoric or left-wing rhetoric. You know, when they, I mean, people don't care about your rhetoric anymore today. They want to be able to see God fully alive in you. I think it was St. Irenaeus who said, the glory of God is a man or a woman fully alive. That's when they see God is when we are fully alive with the mission of God in us. And so that's why, have you ever noticed that feeling you get when you like give somebody some money? You know, have you ever had that feeling where it's kind of like um, you, you gave them like a hundred bucks and you, you, give them, and you, you say, here it is, you, you can take it. And then you're kind of walking away and you're trying not to feel amazing, okay? Because you're so jacked. Because you're like, I'm going to heaven. Yes, you know, and you just feel so good about yourself. Or if somebody was broken down, they had a flat tire, you got out and you helped them. Um, A guy ran out of gas the other day and and I helped push his car into a gas station, you know? And when I was finished doing that, when I was glad that my back didn't break, but when I was glad that I was just kind of walking over to my car, I'll be here till Thursday. You know, pumping gas in the side of my car, feel like there's glory. Why is that? Why is that? Is it because I'm like self-centered and all stuff? No. When you do the acts of God, you feel the actualization of what it means to be fully human. I mean, that's what it is. It's God built it in psychologically that when you do something good, you, and, and, he, and God and Jesus is like, hey, listen, uh, you're going to be really jacked about it, but he says, don't let your left hand say, tell your right hand what you're doing. Because that's what you get caught up into doing. It's like, you feel, I feel so good. Yeah, you were amazing yesterday, you know? So that's why what you do, instead of letting your hands talk to each other, you let your hands go this way and you talk, give glory to God. Okay, but, but that is, it is so cool when you do something. And that's, that's the reason why you feel so good. And God calls all of us to go and do likewise. All of us, every one of us, I love this next story. Why? Because it shows, shows a life lifted out of depression by the uncommon mission of God. Jesus is on mission. Jesus communicates to this person a mission. And then this person lives with mission and it affects and totally changes her life. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. What is it with Samaria? Okay, why is it that Jesus is always using the ethnically de-enfranchised in order to use as an illustration? I love it because God wants you to know if you don't feel, if you feel like you've been forgotten by society, your mom, your dad, by marriage, if you feel a little dysfunctional, you feel a little depressed, you feel like you're an addict and you're recovering and you feel like you're totally messed up, Jesus, in every instance when he talks about, lifts up somebody doing something uncommonly missional, it's an outsider. I think that's amazing. Because that welcomes me to, to the uncommon mission. There was this woman to draw, and she started to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Um, he probably said it nicer than that, but just, um, <laughs> or maybe he'd say, give me a drink? You know, I, I don't know. I don't mean to get caught up in that. But, but for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. 
Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? And I love it. It's in the text. It says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. I love it. The Bible's not afraid to talk about racism. I love it. It's like, oh yeah, we have a problem, Houston. Jews don't talk to those kinds of people. And that kind of lays out our first thing about uncommon mission. Uncommon mission crosses boundaries. It doesn't decide I'm only gonna help these people. I'm only gonna be there. It's just only where I'm doing my mission. But it's like, no, this mission is, is something that goes beyond the boundaries of what we normally don't do. And that may be, uh, it may be a people group, it may be a gender, um, it may be forgiving people that we have written off, if you've ever done that before. It may be forgiving a father, forgiving a child, forgiving an ex-spouse, forgiving somebody at work. It's whatever that boundary where you normally don't cross. I call it the screw you boundary, okay? Or no, it'd be screw them boundary. That's, that's the boundary where, uh, screw them, I ain't, nah. I ain't helping him change the tire. You know, uh, I'm not helping them. I'm not giving them money. They'll just waste it. How many times have you kept yourself from doing something uncommon because you've already predetermined what the other person's gonna do with the kindness? You know, I mean, or, or who should get kindness or not? I do it all the time. Uh, yes, um, I love it when Ben is my conscience from the back of the auditorium. It's like, oh Lord, please forgive him. You know, like, so, uh, <laughs> but it crosses boundaries. So just think about right now where you aren't expected to go. Your dad may not expect a phone call from you because he knows what he did to you. But that's where uncommon mission goes. I expect you to forgive me, talk to me, like me. But think about where you normally don't think it should go and God says, uncommon mission goes over that boundary. So right now, I, I, you're dead quiet right now. And this happened in the first service because every one of us in our minds have somebody that's over the boundary that we don't wanna mess with. Or we said, screw them, okay? That may be a Republican. It may be a, it may be, um, a Democrat, it may be a man, it may be a woman, it may be the whites, it may be the blacks, it may be the gays, it may be the heterosexuals, I don't care. We all have some sort of fence wall that we've put up on our boundary, it's like I'll help him, but nah, not him. Uncommon mission is willing to cross boundaries and that's what Jesus is doing. And the woman knows it too. The woman's like, what are you talking to me for? You're not supposed to be talking to me. I love it when your kindness and compassion surprises the heck out of somebody. You know, you didn't have to do this. Oh, I know I didn't have to do it, but I did it anyway. Why'd you do it? That's what the rest of the story is. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and knew who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would have given you living water. Jesus uses this phrase, if you knew the gift of God. If you knew the gift of God, this is so important because Jesus seems very confident that if they knew the gift of God, she would have asked for another, for a, a, a cup of or what the water that Jesus was offering. He was very confident that if she gets it, she would want it. Uncommon mission communicates hope. And so you think America's screwed and the world's all messed up and your family's messed up and your ex is messed up and, and, and it'll never happen. Hope is gone from the earth. Well, Jesus is like telling us, well, if they knew what you knew, they would want it too. And that's so important that uncommon mission communicates hope. And I think it's also, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it's really important that Jesus saw the potential in every human being. He's like, if you only knew, you would get this. And so just, if when you go to work, when you go home, when you're talking to people at work, I don't, I don't, people who are different than you, you need to look at the potential left. If they get it, they will, at, they will want it. 
That's the way you look at every human being. Not like an idiot, moron, stupid. Those people, their kind. See, that's a boundary. That's just deciding that, that's why it's so funny. Jesus makes this really weird statement. He said, you have heard it said, whoever murders like goes to hell or something like that. But he says, I tell you, any man who says you fool risks the fires of hell. It's like, we just calling the person a fool? He's like, yeah. Anytime you give up on another human being and you put a, a barrier wall around them and they're not gonna get it, Jesus says, you are now bringing hell to the earth. You don't get, he says, that's just like murdering somebody. When you give up on somebody getting hope, you have basically murdered that person. It's like, wow. Uncommon mission communicates hope. Story goes on. You can see why this mission is really important now. And Jesus said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? who gave us the well and drank out of it himself and his sons and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of the water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give them shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. See, Jesus is clarifying the mission. An uncommon mission clarifies God's plan. It's all messed up today. What Christianity is, what Christianity is about, you know, it's all messed up. And so Jesus has to clarify what the mission is about. And this woman is like, well, this is all about getting water out of a bucket, right? This is all about anti-abortion, right? This is all about anti-gays, right? This is all about this and, 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 and all that, right? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Let me clarify what this is all about because we have lost what it's all about. We don't have clarity of the mission any longer. Are those other issues things that we, we address and we speak to and the word of God? Absolutely. But that's not our mission. Our mission is to bring hope to those who have no hope and then allow that hope to begin to work in their lives as they drink from the streams of living water out of their, out of their soul. And, and it's interesting that the mission's gotten all messed up. I thought it was interesting. In the first service, I discovered something that's not in my notes and it made sense to me. I hope it makes sense to you because I'll, I'll tell you what it is, is that he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water, I, sh I will give him, him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Because a lot of people are being told that the Bible is patriarchal and that it's all masculine and it's all about men. That's kind of like how the message has gotten lost. It's all about men oppressing men, written by men, 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 you know? Well, if that's exactly what's going on here, then why does she say this? Sir, give me this water. She apparently didn't hear or didn't get the Instagram or the um, Snapchat or what's that other little thing? TikTok on how the Bible's all anti-women. Because when Jesus spoke the mission of God to her and he used the pronoun him, she got it. Well, you mean everybody, absolutely everybody. See, that's gotten messed up. And so Christians are kind of like, can you be saved and be gay? Can you be saved and smoke weed? I get that one a lot. Uh, do you get, do you get that? Uh, uh, still looking for an answer. Still looking for an answer. Uh, all I know is there is no boundary to the love of God. Now, what that love begins to shape in us, create in us, what it tells us to lay aside, what it tells us to pursue, that will be spoken through the word of God and through the spirit of God. It's, it's not like there isn't ethics in Christianity. But you can't begin to change your life if you don't know that you are safely loved by God. That's the mission that God wants us to know uh, and wants us to convey to other people. 
and it needs clarification. I'm gonna, I know I say this, and, you, and I, I shouldn't, but I need to make sure you all know this. I'm gonna do it. Uh, yeah. Trump is not the answer. And I'm a Republican, and I probably shouldn't have told you that. That's why. It's because people are like, no, if you're a Christian, you're behind Donald Trump. No, if you're a Christian, you're behind Jesus Christ, okay? I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat, far left or far right. We've, we've, we need to clarify the message again. Well, it's all about abortion. No, it's not. It starts with Jesus. It starts with safety. It starts with love. Starts with truth spoken in love. And Jesus is going to speak some truth to this woman, but she doesn't go running away. Why? Because she believes she's safe. Okay, let me, I'm, and I'm sorry. And I know that some of you are like, well, we're definitely not coming back here. Um, <laughs> uh, and that would be too bad. That would, that would be too bad because I do challenge you to critically think the, the mores of, of culture because you're just being fed these memes about this is, what, this is how you talk if you're a Christian. This is how you talk if you're a Republican. This is how you talk if you're a Democrat. This is how you talk if you're black. This is how you talk if you're white. And Jesus is calling us to, you know, yeah, those are all missions. That ain't my mission. I have an uncommon mission. Um, no, I'm about to cry. <laughs> Why? Because one, being near the right thing really makes you feel good. And then also I think about how much damage people like me have done. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just about to, t- I turn 64 tomorrow and I think I finally got it right. Okay, so don't give up on your story. You can finally get it right. So let's go on. Um, and Jesus said to her, I love him. He's like, he dives right into it. He says, go call your husband and come here. You know, he knows fully well the rest of it. Uh, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said correctly, I have no husband. And he's like, wow, good. We're having an authentic, honest moment. You know, you don't get those if you're a bully. You don't get those if you're if you're carrying a right-wing flag, you don't get that if you're carrying a left-wing flag. You don't get people to be vulnerable. The reason why everybody's ready to fight is because everybody's afraid of each other. But Jesus, in just a little bit of moment about conveying compassion, love, and acceptance in a safe environment, he asks for a tough question, and he wants to see, hey, you gonna get honest? Can we have an honest dialogue here? And she says, yeah, I can get honest with you. Are you that kind of person? I mean, that's it. Everybody knows you go to church. Big whipping deal. But does everybody know you're compassionate, loving, safe? Um, okay, uh, so Jesus said there, you have answered correctly, you have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you're with, and he's probably doing it like I am. Like, and I, I'm going to be honest with the guy you're hooking up with right now. That ain't your husband. You have said this truly. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. See, uncommon mission challenges in an environment of safety. God's not calling us to be bullies with the truth. It's to create safety and then have real life dialogues. Um. I was not raised in the Bible Belt. I've been in the Bible Belt for over 40 years and absolutely love this area. I think it's amazing. But I, when I got here, I was a little shocked on how black and white it was, on how turn or burn, if you smoke, you're going to hell. If you use anything but the King James Bible, you're going to hell. You know, if you part your hair in the middle, you're going to hell, or, and you smoke weed. I mean, that was, I mean, that was, it was like, come on, what, what, what is going on? And, and, and everybody's clammed up. 
And God wants to restore the dialogue, honest dialogue with one another in an environment of safety. Jesus and the woman continued to have conversation. And the woman ends up saying to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am, I who speak to you am he. Uncommon mission conveys Christ. So mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, husband, wife. Um, are you conveying Christ or are you conveying rightness? I mean, are, when it's all said and done with, do your kids, do your grandkids know you love Jesus and all you want is God's best for them? Uh, we just, we're doing this, let's do it. Yeah, I don't agree with abortion. I know nobody just like, oh, when shunned like that. But calling people murderers, baby killers, standing on the side of the road with signs and not adopting. No wonder they're not listening to us. I believe it's life. Oh, really? You do foster care? You do adopting? You know, I mean, we, we live in this really cool house and, you know, on the marsh and it's, God really blessed us. And, we, and I, there was a point like, I don't know, like eight years ago. And I'm like, Susan, we got to sell this house. All our kids have moved out. And it's like, I gotta, I, we got to get rid of this house. She said, why? I said, it's a four freaking bedroom house with three baths and you and I are the only two people in it. I feel it's morally wrong to have a house this big, but yet believe in a mission where I'm supposed to show compassion. And so she agreed with me. And so what do we got to do? We got to foster care. If we want to keep that, we either sell the house, move in an apartment, be selfish real small, or we can keep the house, but we got to foster care. We foster cared a, a young woman for like six years. It's like, why'd you do it? You're better people. No, it's an uncommon mission. All of us got this uncommon mission. Well, Pastor Paul, what's your stand on abortion? I want to only go to Crosstown if you have the right stand on abortion. Well, what's your stand on foster care? Let's see if you have the right opinion about abortion. You know, I know I just got really sloppy and I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> but I'm trying to call you into something better than yourself. I'm calling you into Christ-likeness. Will it save children? Yes, I'm all about saving children. Um, but we can't just stand with our ethics on the street corner and shout at people. We gotta go into the world with the compassion of God. So much so, let me, let me, just, let me just show you what it happens. Um, so the woman left her water pod and went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I have done. None of them were good. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city and they were coming to him. I love it. This is a woman that probably in depression, I mean, five different men and the men you're living with really doesn't look like a future. Doesn't like, I can't wait up, wake up and be me. I've been abused, used and discarded. And the guy I'm with now won't even make a commitment. And it's like, and so she's out there living in some historic well, trying to get meaning out of her dead great, 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 grandfather's well to try to find meaning in a dark hole or relationships. But it's amazing, she encounters Jesus. What does she do? She drops her buckets. That's depression going being dropped. That's hopelessness being dropped. That, that's living a life that is mundane and meaningless being dropped. And she runs into the city and just begins to tell them about the compassion and the love of Jesus. See, Jesus lives on mission. The woman receives mission. The woman lives in mission. The city receives mission. If the world is going to hell in a handbasket, 
then we're the ones carrying the handbasket. And we're okay with it from our perch of moral perfection. You know? Broken, dysfunctional, abused, used, a woman, a Samaritan, no religious training, no prestige, no position of influence, and now she's the person who has received uncommon mission and she runs into a city. I mean, she's slept with half the guys in the city. And she's gonna run in there and tell me what hope is? Listen to what happened. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in Jesus because of the word that the woman had testified. He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word and they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said because for a while we only believed because of what you said. Sometimes people will only believe in God, believe in heaven and believe in hope only because you believe in it. They'll borrow your hope for a while. That's okay. That's why we say, hey, trust me, you're gonna be okay. And they'll borrow your hope if you give it to them. But then there's a point when you hope that they're no longer like, oh no, I no longer believe because of you. I believe because I personally now know who Jesus is. But that only happens on mission when somebody is willing to drop their buckets. I'm too busy, I got work to do. It's got responsibilities. The Bible is loaded with perfectly unqualified people on mission with perfect love. Peter, a scrappy fisherman, encounters Jesus. Jesus changes kind of like his mission. And he kind of uses it in his language because you don't have to change your job. You don't have to come work at Crosstown. You know, the, the uh, be fruitful and multiply, go and do likewise, can then become, I will make you fishers of men. It's like, I know what you do for a living, but I'm gonna kind of like make it uncommonly actualized, even better. You think you're just catching fish? I'm taking it up a notch. See, some of you think you're just school teachers. Some of you think you're just moms, just dads, just plumbers, just uh, uh, landscapers, just doctors, just lawyers. When you catch the uncommon vision of God, all of a sudden, what you do gets actualized. It becomes part of the mission that God wants to move through. Peter moved in uncommon courage. And God wants you to do it also. And you may feel unqualified. It's like, I, you know, I don't got what you got. What do I, what do I, what do I got? Let me say that in good English. What, what do I got? I, I don't got a college degree. I, I'm, I don't, what do I got? I'm, I'm not like wicked pretty. I'm not like wicked strong. I'm definitely not rich. I mean, what do I got? I got what you can have. Yeah, it's, it's what, you, what you got saved with. It's what, what God saved you with, what he saved you from, what he saved you to. We all got that. That's what you've got. You've got a story. God loves your story. You got saved from something. You got saved with something, the blood of Christ. The, you know, what did you get saved to? You got saved to, to love people. I mean, we all have this. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter how smart you are or how educated you are. And like the story of the woman at the well and Peter, we don't even know what her name was. Isn't that crazy? Don't even know what her name, she turns the city upside down and nobody knows what her name is. And that, why did God do that? It's because you don't have to be a somebody to be someone. In the middle of our imperfections or mistakes or our history, God allows his grace to be melded to our story and then we are now on mission. So let me just say this to you. Do not be afraid of your story. How can a pastor stand up here and say the things that I say about what I have done in my past? 
Why do I say it? Is it because I'm a shock jock and I want to impress you that I smoked weed and I've been through a divorce and I robbed a jewelry store and I almost got kicked out of the military? And I mean, that I got kicked out of college twice? I mean, anybody loving me now for any of that information? No. The reason why I tell you that is that I'm not afraid of my story. You shouldn't be afraid of yours either. Don't be afraid of it. God wants to use your story because there's other people like me that did way too much PCP back in the 70s, that did, you know, way too much sex, live for themselves. It's like, well, you should be ashamed, Pastor Paul, you've been divorced. And I've had people come to me now and say, you shouldn't be the pastor of the church because you're divorced and remarried. It's like, well, you know what? God's not afraid of my story and I'm not afraid of my story, so you need to get over it. That leads us into number two, don't be ashamed of your story. Sure, do I wish I didn't do some of that stuff in the past? Yeah, I do. And I've asked for forgiveness for it. And I was forgiven for it. So I'm not ashamed of it any longer. And then the last one is this. Don't wait for your story to be finished. Don't wait until you're like, well, Pastor Paul, what I need to do is understand the Hebrew and the Greek language, the original Aramaic. I was like, you ain't got time. You don't got time to learn all that. You're, You're at work right now. You need to let your story go. And you can do it no matter what you do for a living. I'm looking around and I see you people. You are all strategically placed to bring the mission of God to people. And I know some of you are totally intimidated by the Bible. Remember, we're supposed to be conveying Christ. You don't even, don't tweet this out, but you don't even need the whole Bible to figure that out. The whole Bible's awesome. But you just know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He died on the cross for our sins and rose on the third day that we may have new life. Boom. There you go. Well, what should I think about gays? What should I think about abortion? Just convey Jesus, would you? Just convey Jesus. And then this. You don't have to have an exotic story to be powerful. You really don't. You're like, well, yeah, but Pastor Paul, you did really cool stuff back in the 70s. People want to hear your story. Okay, is Ben here? Uh, Mr. Ben, how much weed did you smoke? All right. You were raised in the 60s, right? You didn't do any weed? All right. Okay. Um, how about this? Uh did you rob any jewelry stores? Okay. Tell you, boring life. Incredible testimony. When people in this church want somebody to pray for them to get healed, they're not coming up to Mr. Fancy Pants with crazy story. They're going up to him and, and, and he's praying and people are getting healed. You don't have to have some exotic story. My wife, she was raised in Lake City. Family came from Lake City, went to Stahl High School. You don't get much more exciting than that, right there. And she changed my life. So you don't have to have some exciting. Here's what you need. It just has to be his plus yours. It's not just your story. It's his story plus your story becomes uncommon mission. So as you're coming up to receive communion, I want you to, I think God wants you to know how important you are and that, and that you need to go on mission for God. Just tell the story of what you were saved from, what you were saved with, and what you were saved to. Otherwise, the world's, your family, the country is not getting any better. Paul in Romans said this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's like the potential is unlimited. Your boss, your ex, whatever you do. I mean, it's like whoever calls on the name of the Lord, it's like don't call anybody out. I mean, everybody's got the potential. But he says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him 
unless someone tells them. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? See, the problem with America is that we're not telling his story plus our story. How else would it get fixed? How else would they know? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. It doesn't say how beautiful are the feet of Bible scholars who bring good news or doctors only who bring good news or people who understand the original Greek and Hebrew who bring good news or the people who have got their act straight who bring good news. He said, no, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So let me ask you this. Are you bringing good news? Because if you are, you got some mighty mighty nice feet. That's all it takes is that you convey Christ to the world around you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing me to talk to these people because you love them so much and you wanted to break up our paradigms. You wanted to break up these walls like you're breaking them up in me, these boundaries. You want to raise up a nation of people, a a church. It's not those people and then us. It's not what's wrong with the world, but rather God send me into the world with the good news. God, so as we receive the bread and the, and the cup, remembering that you died for us and rose again for us to have new life, may we take that message to our children, to our moms, our dads, to our, our crazy boss, our messed up neighborhood, May we bring it to those who politically disagree with us. God, help us to bring good news to the world with this uncommon mission. Send us. God, maybe that's your great plan on how to cure depression in America as if we're willing to drop our buckets and run into the town and bring hope. We will never feel more alive than when we are going and doing likewise.